0: J7 I hit. I yeah. hit. You have sunk my better ship.
1: Excellent! Yeah! I call this one... Demon Knight. Monsters, Madness, and Magic. Welcome to the Monsters, Madness, and Magic podcast. I'm Justin, joined by my co-host Angelique. Say hello, Angelique. Angelique hello. Okay. <laughs> Can you hear me? I think that's her name. Okay. <laughs> this evening we're joined by a very special guest, veteran stage <laughs> and screen actor, Mr. William Sadler. William, how the hell are you? I'm good.
0: I'm good. Great. All things considered, how are you?
1: oh we're doing good doing good how are you holding up in this covid world we're living in
0: it's it's really nuts i lose track of the days they just blur together um it snowed we got dumped on here a couple days ago and uh and we just got another four inches or so today and my car wouldn't start oh, oh
1: one of those days like
0: it was one of those days so Shit. um but you know so i you know it was it was sort of stuck at home so there's time to do You know, all those things you keep saying you were going to get around to. Now you have to get around to. Now you have to think of all new reasons why you can't get around Oh, i on my shoulder. (laughs) I'd love to to fix that thing. (laughs) I have to shovel snow. Right, exactly. So
1: I suppose an appropriate place to start would be the beginning. Uh, Do you recall when you were struck with the urge to pursue acting as a career? Did you have a eureka moment?
0: I sort of started. um, I knew I was... I guess I was trying to get on stage. I was in a folk band back in high school. Um, then I was in a garage band uh, called the kegs. And then we changed our name to the night riders. Hmm. Uh, then we, uh, and we used to play battle of the bands and, you know, dances at the high school and so on. Um, and then I started, and then I was doing stand up comedy. Uh, I was, I played the banjo and I told, I told jokes and I was called banjo Bill Sadler. And um and, and that was good. When it when it works, when it works, that's great. When you're you know when you're funny and the room loves it, there's nothing better. Um, of course, when they don't love it, it's you're just up there, you know, with egg dripping down your face, and, and there's nothing worse. And then uh, I guess my senior year in high school, the I had an English teacher named Dan Larkin who asked me to try out for the senior play. They were doing Harvey. And uh, I got the role of Elwood P. Dowd, the, the guy who sees the giant invisible rabbit, and uh, and it was phenomenal. It was yeah. like it was a huge eye opener for me because the writing was great and the response from the audience was phenomenal. And I immediately started think, looking for other places to try to do it, and I did four years at undergraduate at Geneseo, New York, a state college where I did nothing but plays and then i got a scholarship to study acting at cornell and i did that for 2 years um so i guess if there was a mo- and aha moment it, it was in high school um all
1: right did yeah you-
0: it was better, it was so much better than what i was the jokes i was telling as a stand up comic it was and it was a team effort too there were you know there were other people you could you can do a lot more um so i just really i just really enjoyed it and i and thought i was maybe i'm up. good at it I wasn't sure my dad wasn't sure I was going to be successful at it. He insisted that I get a teaching degree at Geneseo um, which is probably smart because you know most people don't make um, right you know eventually it's it's a really really difficult way to make a living um, Sir. but uh, but that's worked out.
1: Did you have a favorite role to play
0: during your time on stage? On stage? Um gosh. Well, there were lots of them back in college. Though. But when I got to New York, um, I, I came right to New York after college and started doing, and I did like 11 years of theater. I think my favorite was uh, in Biloxi Blues, the, um, the crazy Southern drill sergeant, uh, Merwin J. Toomey in Biloxi Blues. He's got a steel plate in his head, and he's a complete lunatic. Um, and, and he's very, very funny. Um, he doesn't intend, he doesn't mean to be. He's not trying to be, but but he is. Um, I did that for a year and a half on Broadway. Yeah, I guess that's maybe maybe.
1: So when's the last time you dipped your toe in the stand up? Was that the was that the last time you did stand up back in the day? In stand
0: up? Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah, that was the that was back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't. Uh, no, I, I now I well before COVID I would play guitar and uh, sing song. I've I've written tons of songs as well. And I and I sing them and I play them. And between them I tell stories and uh, and most of it is funny. It's all, you know, bits and pieces of my life and behind the scenes stuff. I did I started a, a YouTube channel called The Kitchen Tapes. Um William Sadler The Kitchen Tapes. And those are I, they're mostly funny. There's they're just humorous stories about working in movies. And then I sing a song on my songs.
1: Or will have to check that out. I didn't know you had a YouTube channel. See? Yeah, <laughs>
2: definitely. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, and do
2: you find stand-up be the most brutal form of putting yourself out there?
0: It is, well, you plan for you you plan for all the pennies, you know? It's like if you if you're a hit, it's all your glory, you know, you're the star. And if it's and if you're not, it's all on you. Um it's pretty unfor, it's pretty unforgiving. I let me put it that way right um whereas and and frankly i was I, I was just blown away by how good the writing um once i started discovering plays um you know shakespeare and chekhov and neil simon and you know they're just the world is filled with these um uh, wonderful stories that have been told really really you know they're beautiful words and it's just great fun to Get inside, you know. Get inside those characters, and let them carry you along. That's I. I just kind of fell in love with the feeling of getting lost in characters, and then, and also, good, really good writing always ex- teaches you something. You know, there, there are human truths that um, you, if you, if you pay attention, if you're, you know, if your eyes are open, you can you can learn things about yourself and about mankind and about you know relationships and all sorts of things that you didn't know and you come away you come away a little better person yes, maybe
1: <laughs> does your does your approach as an actor differ when you're working on stage as opposed to on screen
0: a little bit yeah the um well first of all on stage you usually have about you know you usually have a month to rehearse so every moment in the play gets looked at and turned and you try it this way and you try it that way and you tr- you know you can really you can get extremely specific and and hone a performance. Um, on film, it's you also have to be specific, but you but it's it's more like an improv. Um, you have to let go of a lot of a lot of that. And just just kind of commit yourself and jump and right. and let the thing, discover the thing for the first time, no matter how many takes we do, you have to forget, forget everything and discover it for the first time um over and over again but but there's a i mean there's there's more to it than that but yeah you do you do kind of approach them differently i think yeah, um it, i mean at at the end of the day they both involve getting getting inside these characters and then letting the scene uh, propel you along you know let the let the scene take you where it's where it's going i've always i've, I've always had a philosophy of acting where uh, if If I can get the audience to believe, even just a little bit, just believe this character, this moment, this guy is actually experiencing this thing, then you can take them. They'll come with you anywhere. You can tell them a story. You can travel to Mars and, you know, you can be fighting aliens. You can, you can, it can be a love story. It can be any story. They'll come with you as long as you don't, as long as they don't catch you lying to them. The second they the second they're not there right. they don't buy it they all sit back and go uh ah. <laughs> you know right. it's like yeah no it's the same old yeah so i
2: can have no cracks
0: yeah yeah and the camera and the camera gets up you know right in your nostrils it's like it's sort of impossible to there's no place to hide at all so you kind of really have to be there Very un- mm. Gets very into
1: you. Got to correct me if I'm wrong on this one, William, because I'm looking at your IMDb and it says that your first credit is uh, "Henry Winkler meets William Shakespeare" from a <laughs> CBS festival. And I just got to ask you, what is it like working with the Fonz on the Shakespeare?
0: <laughs> Henry Winkler meets Shakespeare. That was for P- that was a PBS thing. um He was he was at the height of his uh, Fonzie. <laughs> thing um yeah that was it, it was one of those gigs i had i i'm not i'm not even sure why they cast me that thing no none of us talk none of us did anything except henry um it was the it was the henry winkler show and we were all like you know <laughs> we just sort of we, we kind of stood around and were set dressing um i think they picked us up because we were we'd all worked at the shakespeare festival before that
1: so how did you yeah. win your first professional gig I'm sorry. How did you land your first uh, professional acting gig?
0: My first professional gig was Hamlet at the playing Hamlet at the Colorado Shakespeare Festival. Um, and oh, wow. that was, uh, was exciting. That was <laughs> 1973. <laughs> Shakespeare had just written Hamlet. It <laughs> was a big hit. I was uh, <laughs> I was young and impetuous and uh, that was great. They pay, I think they paid me 500 bucks for the whole summer. Um, which was more money than I'd ever seen before. But they, were, I was actually getting paid to do this thing that I'd been doing for free for five years now by that time or six years. And uh, and I, I was just thrilled.
2: I bet it felt like a million bucks.
0: What? I'm sorry, you're breaking up?
2: I bet it felt like a million bucks. It did. Oh, dang it. Hang <laughs> on. I'm in a town that...
0: <laughs> no, it did. It really, it was exciting. They
2: still made the internet <laughs>
0: Her
1: internet's breaking up she's just trying to uh oh she lives in the game. middle of nowhere
0: <laughs> no i remember um
2: yeah like i like i often say just...
1: yeah, you're fine now angelique i can hear you i just can't see you
2: hang on one okay
0: good yeah.
2: good i i lost my connection
0: <laughs> it's okay technology happens okay. to
1: happens to all us. exactly oh i got a question for you william uh uh, yeah. Night was the very first tales from the Crip movie and you're in the very first episode. Now, was that a conscious choice or did it just fall into place that way? I
0: think it just fell into place that way. I was being be the, being in the first episode um, they actually had me in to audition for the cop at the end of the episode who arrests Niles Talbot. Um, and after I did, after I read for the, all he says is, you have, Mr. Talbot, you have the right to remain silent everything you say can and will be held, you know, I finished the, I finished doing that. And, and, uh, I asked Karen Ray, what's, what's going on with the role of Talbot, the lead. And she said, Oh, they want, you know, they're looking for John Malkovich, you know, or Kurt Russell or something. They want a name. And I said, Oh, and I left. And I left, I got halfway across, halfway across the parking lot and Karen Ray stuck her head out the window of the building at Fox and said, Bill, come back here. And she gave me, she handed me the pages and said, come back on Monday and I'll put you on tape and we'll see what happens. And they, and it worked out, but it was a great, it was a, it was a fantastic moment for me because I had a ball playing the role. Walter Hill had fun directing it. I think we got, we hit it off really well. It launched the series Mm -hmm. or it helped launch the series. And then, One of the writers on the show was Frank Darabont, who did Shawshank Redemption and Green Mile and The Mist. And um, I went on to do, you know, all of this other stuff sort of grew out of, including Demon Knight. Um,
1: Sort of a domino effect. Was that that first episode was a domino effect? Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I guess it kind of put me on their radar. And then it was, you know, then it became easier to, you know.
2: I mean, those those first episodes were a domino effect for us as well. I mean, you are part of the start of so many of us monster kids path to where we are today. I mean, I mean, we're literally we were sitting here just going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, wow. You're such a part of our foundation, so I
0: mean. You must. You, you guys must have been very young. I, don't I
1: know. was born. I was born I in
2: 1990.
1: I was born in 79. So. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I no, saw okay. them when I shouldn't that have seen them. The
0: things to look. <laughs> like.
1: You weren't yeah. supposed to be watching. I wasn't supposed to be watching them, but I was.
0: No, I didn't. They were. They were great, and they became. They became great fun. After a while, I think every you know. Arnold Schwarzenegger, everybody wanted to get in, everybody wanted to get in, were fun to, um, but, but uh, yeah, that, that one episode opened so many doors for me. I went on to do Trespass with Walter Hill, um, the a, an action film with Bill Paxton and Ice-T and Ice Cube, and, um, and like I said, um, Shawshank and the Green Mile and The Mist with Frank, uh, Frank Darabont, it just sort of, opened all kinds of doors, yes, sir. you know, so I was very grateful and come to find out people have enjoyed that movie, Demon Knight. That's one yeah. of my staples of my childhood.
1: Watch
2: it
0: every- <laughs> <laughs> It's a great, it's a cool film. Billy Zane steals it out from under everybody. Oh, he's but,
1: great in that movie.
0: But, you know, but he earned it. He was, he's outrageous and he's great in it.
1: Did you have any interactions with uh John Cassier when you worked on the
0: either of the Tales from the Crypt? Uh, yeah, project? we well we we brushed by each other. I mean, we'd sit and have lunch together with everybody, you know. Um I also did the wraparounds, I think, for Bordello of Blood and Yeah. I did um Yeah, we knew we knew each other. I didn't have a lot to I didn't have a lot of interaction. Gotcha. But but he was, you know, he was at the heart of those. What he did was always part, it was never part of what we shot, um, you know, with the Crypt Keeper. Yeah. yeah, right. The, those Crypt Keeper things were all kind of always shot separate. But then I got to shoot one or two of those with him.
1: So Bill and Ted's bogus journey was 30 years ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what was your initial reaction when you caught wind of the third film uh, being in production? And how did you guys recapture all that? Thirty years later, in your opinion, um,
0: I thought we did pretty well. The the um, I I wasn't I, I wasn't sure I wasn't sure exact because that's a long time, right. you know. I thought I didn't want it to be like a cheesy sort of reunion. You know, let, let's get them all together and see how old they look. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was like you know that that happens once in a while. Um, But and then and then the conversation is all about oh she's aged so well or he looks terrific for oh dear what he put on weight Um, but it was they approached me about it and said we're writing it would you like are you interested in being in it and I said of course and so and they told me the story the storyline that they were going to do the with the Reaper for the third one and I thought that was terrific. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I I like that idea that they, the band had broken up and yeah. they weren't talking to each other. And he'd gone off and had a solo career putting out albums that were just bass with nothing else, nothing else on the album, except, you know, uh, and I just thought, okay, that I could, that sounds. And then when we got on the set, um alex and keanu and myself and the girls um it was like it was funny when we started the scene it was as if no time had gone by at all right everybody was, everybody was in character everybody the characters just popped right back um you know that's great remarkable Wonder. yeah yeah um, speaking,
2: speaking of
1: go ahead angelique right,
2: speaking of death you know death originated in in bill and ted's bogus journey and it looked to me that the, the character of death was based on Ingmar Bergman's death from The Seventh Seal, <laughs> especially with the planes yeah. and meeting them, you know, in the sandy plain. And playing games with them. Yes. Um, so is that why you chose the little German, the little tingy little German accent for death? Or was that a direction?
0: That was actually, it was. it's actually Czechoslovakian, but, oh. but you were close. Okay. But the, um, I chose... I decided to do that because I had worked with an actor named Jan Triskan, who was Czechoslovakian, mm-hmm. and I did a play with him in New York called New Jerusalem at the Public Theater, and um, he was uh, Sigourney Weaver was in it too, by the way. Oh wow! Yeah, it was the old it was in the olden days, um, <laughs> and she used to come and she used to come to rehearsals wearing the jumpsuit that she wore in Aliens. Or an oh, alien? Man. I forget which one, which movie came first. She had just finished making the movie and it hadn't come out yet. Um, and she had this, she had this great little jumpsuit that said Nostrom- Nostromos. "Nostromo."
2: Nostromo. <laughs> um, I go to sleep to the sound of the Nostromo every night. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, the, the he Jan Triskin Jan Trisken, who passed now, was uh, he was a very funny guy, but he w- but he, but he had a terrible time with English and he would talk like that. Everything was, Sam liked it. Um, he, <laughs> he would just trip. He would, he would talk, he uh, would say, welcome to New Jerusalem. I am Iran missing. And uh, I, just, I, I it was funny and it stuck in my head. And I got the, I, I decided uh, when the audition came up for death, Um, I. it was funny it, and, it's, and it's funny. I mean, you can I, you can make death sound like anything, I suppose. But I it really, but but when I put the act when I put on the the Czechoslovakian accent, then every line was just sillier than the last. That it was just. Uh, I loved it. He was my
2: people, favorite. People
0: people would laugh just hearing him say, you know, "Ura sank or my bed will and it was like people just fell on the ground, and it was like, <laughs> oh, it was like, oh, okay. Um, well, I
2: was a creepy. A creepy kid i loved death and i loved just because in in my mind even as a kid you know death could not be american because death is older than time yeah so at no it just so, didn't
0: see it wouldn't have been funny exactly either.
2: exactly and i loved it and i just i love the cadence of your speech and when you did that little rap you know <laughs> you might be a king or a little street sweeper <laughs> That's with
0: the you know. <laughs> <laughs> that was I loved it. That's well that's thank you. That was uh that was actually they had written a different rap and I didn't um I couldn't I couldn't quite make sense of the other what they had written, the one they had written. Um no offense to the writers because they're wonderful. But um, but I asked them if I could take try take a shot at writing a little rap thing and I wrote I wrote that one. You might be a king or a little street.
2: Oh, wow.
0: Uh, um, which was a nice, it was a nice, it's a funny touch because um, what happened, and maybe this is because of the stand-up comedy comic. Um, I, for years in Hollywood, they were casting me as the heavy. I was the bad guy in Project X, and then the bad guy in Hard to Kill, and then the bad guy in The Hot Spot, and then the bad guy in Die Hard 2. And, you know, I was just like this villainous, cold-blooded guy. And I suddenly got a chance to be silly um, and create this, you know, create this larger than life character who has his own problems. <laughs> Don't overlook my butt. <laughs> we and I just kept I just kept adding lines. I just kept like ad-libbing stuff and um we were shooting in the we were shooting in the hardware store. And he's trying out the weed whacker and so on. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if if, if he comes, a, if he, if death came along, you know, met someone who was smoking and just in passing just said, see you real soon and <laughs> and keep on walking. And the guy goes and puts the cigarette out. <laughs> I thought that would be really, that'd be really funny. Right. It's not in this. it wasn't in the script and they didn't have an actor to play it. I mentioned it to Pete Hewitt. The director and he said that's great bring the camera over here <laughs> and pete he, the director plays the guy who smokes and we shot it took you know took two minutes and it was in the movie but that's
2: fantastic
0: but it but it, i kept having these ideas like popcorn you know and they weren't all brilliant you know <laughs> a lot of them didn't make it into the movie but uh, but a bunch of them did and it was uh it was just great to be Part, be able to unleash that funny you know side
1: now in your experience is that something that's uh common when working on a film that they would take advice or input from actors and whatnot <laughs> no.
0: No. <laughs> no i shouldn't even tell that story because no one no one's going to want to work with me now no but you get i know it's nice though if you have an idea and it's, it was something that uh, they, it, it was, it was just sort of the, it had the right tone and the right, it was really easy to shoot it. Um, right. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. so they accommodated it. It wasn't, they didn't, it wasn't that they want, it wasn't that I wanted the moment or I needed another, another funny moment. I just thought it would be, a, right I thought it would be a funny thing to see him meet someone who was smoking. Cause I was smoking it.
1: that's the Yeah. So it's been 30 years uh, when you're seeing Keanu and all these guys again in since bogus journey, he's become, you know, he's been in the matrix. He's been in John wick. He's pretty much one of the biggest stars in the world. Have did you notice any growth when you, when you guys worked together again, had he, is he larger than life now? <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was, I guess when we were, I, I only knew him from bogus journey. I didn't, um, I, I, I knew him from Bogus Journey, and I also knew him from. Um, um, no, that's that's really what, And he was he was different back then. I don't think he was. I'm not sure he. Uh, I'm not sure how much he wanted to do Bogus Journey. Um, <clears throat> he seemed distracted, and um, he was hanging out with the uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers in his trailer, oh. and yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> didn't he didn't know that. And, and yeah, no, it was great. I don't know. He was just wilder and young. I mean, he was young and really wild. He would get on his motorcycle at the end of the day. We shot in Santa Clarita. He'd get on the motorcycle and blast off down the road, down the highway and uh, no helmet. No, no, just gone. And uh, I was always I was always just a little bit worried that they were going to I was going to get a call in the you know, the next day that there's been an accident because he was kind, he was maybe just a little more reckless and then this time around um you know he was he was sweet and he was quiet and he was business you know he he wanted to do it and he won you know he was just there 100% it was he was older he was more mature right. you know what i mean he yeah. his, he was much more focused i i thought That's cool.
1: my, my opinion angelica die hard
2: <laughs> yes die hard one of my yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, <laughs> well, <you're... laughs> well, as someone who appreciates certain bits of anatomy
0: <laughs> you yes, spend, ma'am.
2: you spend the first you know basically what 10 minutes of the movie and you're all together <laughs> not that i mind it was a brilliant scene <laughs> you should have got an oscar i'm just saying Thank you. <laughs> uh, how how was she i mean That that has to be just kind of shocking, like, oh, shit, I've got to be naked in front of the world, you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's That's exactly.
2: Everybody on Earth is going to see my ass. You know, how do you prepare for something like that?
0: You tell them, get me a trainer and get me into the gym and push, push that scene off to the end of the movie. Um. don't, don't make me shoot that tomorrow. We shoot that, you know, six weeks from now, 10, eight weeks from now. And, uh, and I'll do it. And I did. Um, that's exactly what I did. I wasn't, and there was no nude scene in the, it's funny that people think people, it jumps out at people that ass, it jumps, <laughs> out, it jumps out. That moment jumps out at people. Um, and I, it, it's, It's not in the script. It just says a half. It's in the script. I think it says a half naked man doing tai chi in his hotel room.
2: Doesn't Um, say which half, though. Doesn't say
0: which half. uh, (laughs) We finished. We finished the costume fitting, Um, and uh, I had tried on the uniform, and I tried on the coat and the boots and this, just all of this stuff. And and finally, uh, I looked. We were finished. And I looked around and said, well, what do, what about the hotel room scene? What a, you know, what are we wearing there? <laughs> and, and the two of them got the costumer and Rennie Harlan, the director, got really quiet. They like looked at each other and then they and then they they Rennie looked at me and said, well, Bill, actually I was thinking you would be nude. Because <laughs> he's from Finland. Yeah. Which sounds a lot like Czechoslovakian, doesn't it? Yes. It does. anyway that's that's when i found out about it and then i told them get me a trainer i didn't want to i i thought two things i thought wow that's an that's a that's an interesting and arresting way to meet this character Mm -hmm. um like
1: (laughs) yes there's a there's a
0: there's a naked there's a naked man having a fight with invisible people in a hotel room you know (laughs) this this can't be good Whatever, whatever he's about, um, it's going to be dangerous. And I thought it's a great way to introduce a character, but but the downside was, you know, your ass is going to be hanging out there. And the biggest I had seen the first Die Hard, and this was like the big follow-up summer blockbuster. You know, yeah. <laughs> everybody on the planet was going to see this over no and press- over. No, no pressure. Press- No pressure. So I didn't want to look at it when I was 60 and say, you know, look at that. Wow. Why didn't you do some sit-ups or something? (laughs) So I got it. So I worked my ass off.
2: Well, you did great.
0: (laughs) And it was supposed to be a closed set um, um, where, and a closed set is usually the director and the camera crew. That's it. Nobody else, you know, sound guy, no one else can get close to the set. And uh, I got there and there were like a hundred people
2: <laughs> oh, no.
0: on, the, on the set at Fox. They were like, they had set up chairs all along the front of the set. And and Joel Silver was sitting right in the middle. The executive producers were there. People were bringing pizza. Um, it was like a peep show. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> it was it great
2: so fun. <laughs>
0: I guess they could probably couldn't do that these days, but they could do it then. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so William, when you're working, uh, Shawshank is widely considered one of the greatest films of all time. When you're an actor working on a movie like that, do you have a feel of how, what you're working on? Is there a pulse that you can feel when you're working on something that great?
0: I think we, I think we all knew it was a good story. It was a, you know, it's a powerful story that you could, you could really get behind um but i don't think any of us knew that it was going to grow and become this cultural phenomenon that it that it's become this cultural sort of touchstone for people um and but that said you know when we sit in those dining hall scenes and you're sitting across from morgan freeman and james whitmore's next to you this way and tim robbins is over there and it's like everywhere you look there's you know all of these phenomenal these wonderful actors and we've come to play you know and nobody wants to drop the ball nobody wants to be I, th- I think that's part of the reason that the movie works as well as it does is that there was um such a it was just such a good ensemble we listen you know we listened to, we listened to each other so well um, and th- there was just this kind of all. There was always this little crackle of of side glances and um, relationships flying all back and forth. It was that made it. It made it great fun. You know, I would look at Brian Libby, and he would look. At, he would glance at me, and then he he. Everybody had a reaction to everything that was going on. So it made it just made it a wonderful ensemble. Uh, it felt very alive. You know, the the scenes would just kind of lift off the table
1: uh, speaking of great movies you said the green mile is one of the more difficult films that you've worked on why is
0: um well i had to run in it i'm not a runner and uh i don't <laughs> i really don't like to. i don't like to run <laughs> and uh the the other thing was that he i had to pretend that my two daughters had come out on the porch and there's blood all over the porch and was, screen door has been slashed and that my two daughters are gone and that and i had we had my wife and i had a daughter about that size at the time and you sort of have to um, put yourself in you have to imagine it really well you have to kind of go you you have to go there a bit um for it to feel real for for the camera and it was just such a painful place to go to be that kind of frightened You know. You're going to find them. Are they all right? Are they all right? And beca- because I had a daughter that age, too. It was just a, it was just emotionally a really hard thing to do over and over and over. <coughs> I, had to, I also sometimes you joke around with the crew and tell stories and laugh and eat a sandwich and drink a coffee and then turn around and do the scene um, because it's, you know, the scene doesn't require... You know, it depends on what the scene requires. This those those moments, though. What I had to do in the Green Mile was required that he be just about about as frightened as a human can be to think that your child you've lost your you're you'll, you're in the process of losing your child right right in front of everybody's face. So yeah, that's why it was hard.
1: Harder to jump into something like that, you know, fresh yeah. off the camera. Yeah.
0: And you kind of, and I sort of had to, I felt like I had to keep, stay in that mode, stay in that mood all day long. um, I couldn't turn it on and turn it off and go have lunch and, you know, uh, they yell action and I could, you know, put it on like a coat. I mean, interrupt you, go ahead.
2: I I can't hear the words, the green mile without tearing up. So as, as an audience member, knowing how emotionally devastating it is to watch that movie, you know and of course read the book cuz it's uh, you know a thousand times more than what could be put on the screen but to see you and to know that you've got to put yourself in that sort of place i can't imagine how hard that is
0: you have to and frank derabont the director is also he you know he wants he tends to squeeze every ounce of everything out of every scene um you know so it's you know he want he wants 110% and that's so if and that particular that particular scene was just that it was just difficult because of that, because of that, uh, you know, I had to be in that place for so long.
1: William, what would you say is the best acting advice you've
0: received to date? Best acting advice. Um, hmm. <laughs> the, the only the only acting advice I ever pass along to anybody is I have there are two things. One is do theater. If you're an act young actor, get some theater because that's where you that's really an actor's arena. You know, when the curtain goes up, it's all on you. You if there's any magic going to happen today, it's going to be because you and your fellow performers find it in yourselves to create something out of nothing, right? Out of out of thin air and mesmerize an entire audience that paid $150 a ticket to see you. There's. The pressure is tremendous, but it works all of an actor's, it's, it's, a, it's great, great training for actors. You can't be sick. You can't have a headache. You can't be late. You can't not, you'll not know your words. No one's going to yell cut, you know. You really have to show up and produce on time, every time, you know. Right. Um, and, that, and, and when you bring all of the, when you bring those kinds of work ethics and skills to the movies, it serves you very well. And, you know, when it's 3 AM and you've been waiting 13 hours to do your big scene where, you know, where you're crying over your brother's, uh, dead body or something, (laughs) you have the, um, you have the chops, you have the, you know how to pace yourself. You know how, you know how to get, you know how to create something out of nothing, um, on call, you know, when they say action and, uh, so do some theater the other and the other advice the only other advice is if you land on a series or something and you start making a lot of money do some be be really smart with the money don't don't assume that it's always going to be this way um, because you know because it may it might maybe you'll keep making this kind of money your whole life, but it's more likely you'll have some ups and downs and you know be smart with it.
1: I think that's great advice for every career.
0: And then yeah. you don't. Have, and then you, you know, th- then you don't have to say yes to everything that comes down the road. Um, you know, you can right. afford you can afford to be pickier.
1: William, mean, we're not gonna hold you hostage all night here, so we'll wrap it up with these two questions. Mine is, what are your favorite films?
0: Wow, gosh, I've got so many. I've got a lot of favorite films. I love The Matrix. Oh, I think The Matrix is wonderful, the first one. I love Unforgiven. Great movie, uh, Clint, e- Clint Eastwood. Film, I love The Wizard of Oz. Uh, <laughs> singing in the, I love singing in the rain. I think there's a, there's, there's a number of perfect movies, like really just beautifully drawn movies. I don't know, pretty long list. That's a good list so far. I'll take it.
2: That is, that's <laughs>
0: great. And what's great. your other question?
2: The other question is from me. Um, <laughs> <I'm> yes. <looking>. <laughs> <laughs> I love to ask this of, of all of our guests. I'm the fiendish booty. Uh, here at Monsters Madness and Magic. So my question to you is what is your go-to movie snack? What's that one munchie that makes your movie watching experience just perfect?
0: <laughs> um, oh would say, well it's so uh and it's
2: okay to say popcorn if that's it. It's,
0: <laughs> it's popcorn. I um I grew I you know I grew up when I was a kid we 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 didn't go to a lot of movies, but we went to the drive-in a fair amount because it was cheap. You know, piled that. twenty kids in the car, and we'd all, you know, hide the- and <laughs> and go and watch. And we watched Jason and the Argonauts and and eat popcorn and get you know the crap scared out of us. <laughs> that was, uh, but that yeah, I'm afraid it's just popcorn. I love it.
2: That's okay. That because yeah. I mean that's the mystery thing. That's one thing I nope. really in all this pandemic is walking into a movie theater just getting hit
0: that I know, i know smell. right that smell that's great yeah. well william it's been a
1: pleasure talking to you we're gonna let you go here all righty we'd love to well, chat with you again if you get any uh more if you release any more movies down the road i'm sure you will yeah,
2: so there you're working on that you want to let us know about you know
0: i have a well there's one that i finished in september that's called shrine um it's sort of like an exorcist kind of a horror thing from screen gems okay. that i think is going to be terrific it's a scary uh scary movie
1: That's <laughs> well, up our alley we'll be checking that out then. Play, yeah.
0: yeah you won't be you won't be able to miss it shrine shrine i play a priest i do battle with demons and it doesn't end well i'm sold
2: yeah i'm there
1: there,
0: there you go <laughs> all right well, well, have a great night
1: thank, thank you, you. So much. You too. Stay safe. Bye-bye.
2: You too.